for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Megan Kazak, Communications Coordinator for the City. So, Megan, it's my understanding this is the last time you're going to co-host with me. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, I went there. Any other, any other ones on the list? Yes. Yep, I yeah. went there. Yeah, this is my last podcast. And why is that? I'm I'm taking a new position, um, and I'm very excited about it, but unfortunately mm. that means I cannot co-host any longer. I know. We're going to miss you so much. You've done so much for the city in the seven years that you've worked oh, here. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's been a really great great opportunity and i'm excited that i'm going to be mm-hmm. staying in local government i'll be working mm-hmm. in county government but similar yes. but across country yes across country north carolina so that'll be exciting yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like a proud mother oh my goodness you started with me when you're a freshman and now you're you're leaving the nest <laughs> so um, it's bittersweet for me i may tear up a couple of times before this is over emotional. it is you know how that's you know <laughs> okay enough about that so who's our guest today megan so today's guest is sergeant cody cody manual and he is the commander of the stillwater swat team that sounds very impressive doesn't i know it? it sounds really intense so yeah. the swat team is a specialized unit of the police department that handles calls and situations that are of too high a risk for a normally outfitted police officer. So the SWAT team uses specialized equipment and techniques to safely execute missions and issuing high-risk warrants and resolving hostage situations. The Stillwater Multi-Jurisdictional Special Operations Team has been named the state champions twice in the Oklahoma SWAT competition. That's a big honor. I know. And the first was in 2015, and then they got it again in 2018. Awesome. So we know awesome. we got like a like a superior group working yes. there together. That's awesome. <laughs> so welcome, Sergeant Manuel. Hi. So we're going to start uh, our um, podcast with a lightning round of random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. All right. It's going to be okay. Be <laughs> I'm a little nervous. A little nervous. I can see it on your face. He can do the SWAT team, but the thought of answering a random silly question random is questions. just a little bit beyond little his... Bit uh, scary. Yeah. Okay. Let's get started. <laughs> so what was the worst job you ever had? Worst job was probably I worked at a tank farm when I was about 19 years old and my job there was to mow, weed eat and paint things. So a tank farm? <laughs> yeah, like... so over in Drumright. Oh, okay. um, I worked at a tank farm. My dad um, was employed there and he got me a job as a summer hand. It's where was... the oil, mm-hmm. the crossroads. Yeah, the, the big the big tanks and with oh, all yeah. the steep tank dikes around them and everything, it's a lot of gravel, a lot of yeah. uh, fencing and stuff to maintain. So mm-hmm. I worked there for a summer. It was incredibly hot, and oh, yeah. uh, just from basically 7 a.m. till about 4 or 5 o'clock in the, in the afternoon, I would paint and mow and weed eat, and mm-hmm. it was pretty brutal. That a, yeah, that's a, that's a real oh, physical job. Goodness. I actually went to the tank farms in Cushing. Uh, I was fascinated. I, I knew they were there, but I didn't, I, 
I didn't understand the scope of it until you get in and start driving around. Mm -hmm. And you, those tanks are so big, and, and there's so many of them. It, it was quite fascinating. That's if you've where never I grew been up, up. Right there. Yeah, I don't know how many tanks there are. I have no idea. It's a lot bigger than when I was a child, but really? even then it was it's huge. Yeah, it is It is huge. It's You really can't even comprehend it until you see it. I was, anyway, like I said, I was fascinated, but no, I would not want to do that job either. It, it served a purpose, but um, it was. I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah. You're too old now. Yes, you, very things much. You, things you can do when you're 17, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you could see one movie again for the first time, what would it be and why? The the thing that sticks out to me is probably Saving Private Ryan just because it was so intense. Mm -hmm. I think I saw it at the end of high school, maybe. And um, after we left the theater, we were just kind of in awe at, at seeing such a um, it was a big film, um, and I just remember having such a, a huge respect for the military after that. It just uh, kind of changed my perspective on the world right. a little bit. Um, so I always remember that that movie theater experience from mm -hmm. from coming out and watching that. Because um, you felt left left like you felt changed. Yes, yeah. yes, very mm -hmm. much so. Especially at a young age, seeing right. it then, it was it was a, a big deal, kind of a have watershed you, moment. Have you watched it again? Yes, I, right. I own it, and I try to watch it whenever. Um, like the kids and wife are out of town or something like that. I got uh, three hours to yeah. to kill every once in a while. I'll pop it in and that watch was like, it on DVD. Like you recharge yourself, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Awesome. I love that answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the uh, the real part of our uh, conversation. Uh, first, let's start with your background um, and how did you become a police officer? How did you get on the SWAT team? Just so, what was the career path for you? Um, mine is kind of atypical for a police mm -hmm. officer. I, I don't have any of that cops and robbers stories I knew uh -huh. about it since I was a kid or anything I had no idea even into college what I wanted to do when mm -hmm. I grew up um, so in college I was working at the Walmart it was the only Walmart then the Perkins Road Walmart uh -huh. that everybody calls it now um, the people's Walmart the people's Walmart yeah and uh, uh, I met an officer who officer Reedy who still mm -hmm. works with us um, who came in to pick up a shoplifter and I was just talking to him about his job and I thought well that's a really cool job I'm um, I'm kind of interested in that, so I went on a ride along with Officer Reedy, and um, that that clicked for me. Um, I thought this is this is the job that that I've been looking for, not knowing what mm -hmm. I wanted to do, and um, I invested myself in that. Um, I became a dispatcher um, to learn kind of the ropes, mm -hmm. and then became an officer. And I've been a police officer for 14 years now. Um, I started out like everyone does as a patrolman, right. um, worked many years on night shift and evening shift and lots of holidays and weekends and um, kind of worked my way into an investigative position um, in criminal investigations. So I started working like property crimes and uh, burglaries and stuff like that, the, the high volume kind of um, lower payoff stuff, and then worked my way up to working people crimes and serious like major crimes. Um, and um, in 2013, I uh, went back to patrol as a, as a sergeant um, and worked back in patrol division for a, while, a time and uh, was fortunate enough to promote to lieutenant um, and came back to the criminal investigative unit to take it over. So the SWAT team is a multi-jurisdictional unit. Could you kind of explain what that is and, and what you guys actually do? Sure. So I'm, I'm one of the old guys on the team now. Um, I got on as soon as I got off of probation as uh -huh. a police officer. I got onto the SWAT team, and it was a, a much different team than it is now. Um, we were just um, 
branching out mm-hmm. into the multi-jurisdictional team at that time. So when the team was formed um, after the Robert Raymond incident in 1985, it um, originally was multi-jurisdictional, included the Oklahoma State University Police mm-hmm. Department and the Stillwater Police Department. So it, it from concept, it, it became multi-jurisdictional. Mm-hmm. We always have been, but over the years, we've incorporated more agencies. We picked up the Stillwater Fire Department, the Cushing Fire Department to bring in medics. Uh-huh. Um, the Payne County Sheriff's Office has come on board. Um, we had a, up until recently, we had a Cushing police officer on board, um, and we have a um, Dr. Charles Olson, a uh, tactical physician, um, who's on the team now. So we, we draw from a number of different areas. So what type, uh, Megan alluded to some earlier, but what would be, um, a, I don't know if it'd be typical, but what was, what type of things are you called for? So you guys don't, um, you're not, you're not sitting there just waiting on something. You've got other duties and then you get a call to say, Hey, pull together the SWAT team. Right. Like yeah. The, uh, like the bat light. Like, <laughs> the, the, the light side. goes on. Yeah. I mean, is, is it that kind of thing that's like, on a dime it's like mm-hmm. you guys go get in your positions or what what does that look like so yeah we're, we're a collateral duty team mm-hmm. so we all have other jobs um at the police department or at the fire department or mm-hmm. what have you um and anytime there is an emergency situation that um uh, like a barricaded subject um um like a manhunt or, mm-hmm. or a number of different situations even a um, high-risk search warrant that needs to be served um, we receive notification um, on a, an alert system on our cell phones um, that we're needed and to respond to um, the police department or wherever the mm-hmm. situation is, is occurring at. So everybody um, who's available um, drops what they're doing, and um, we all know that um, we can be called at any time. So it could be 3 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. or um, right in the middle of lunch lunch hour. So everybody drops what they're doing and, and responds in kind. You, you said that you started out in 911. So you started off hearing all of these situations from, from that perspective, and then you switched over to the other side. Did that give you some insight on how to, on what the job was you were entering into? Yes, uh, uh, it gave me a, a lot of knowledge about what I was getting myself into, yeah. I guess. Um, As we talked to Brian Porter a few mm-hmm. uh, episodes back, mm-hmm. fascinating and in that you know he was so calm and so you know methodical and you know truly you know there to help the people um and then you know going to the we're going to go take care of business seems like a, a interesting jump yeah so it it was um working in the jail or in dispatch um we're very fortunate here in Stillwater to have some of the um best dispatchers and jailers around mm-hmm. um, I just can't say enough about those guys um, but it if your intent is to maybe at some point become a police officer you can learn a lot in those positions yeah. just in interacting in with the other police officers and um, learning what the job really entails mm-hmm. and getting away from that um, CSI mind, yeah. mindset from what you've learned in television um, mm-hmm. just kind of unprogramming yourself so since you mentioned you know those uh, programs that it's like oh here's a drop of fluid and then they immediately know what it is and uh, you know <laughs> they can you know get the DNA and, and you know like in just a few minutes Amazing. is there anything that frustrates you about those type of shows do you watch them is it uh, 
Or do you, do you think it's detrimental to people understanding what your real job is? Um, I think it can be. Um, I, I can't say that I watch those, but I'm in the vicinity when they're on. My yeah. wife loves those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Criminal Minds is her yeah. favorite. That one. Oh, uh, I can't watch that one. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. some of them are a little, little freaky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she loves it. So I, I get a, a good amount of exposure to that yeah. type of stuff. So it is what it is. I don't I don't think that um, uh, people aren't, police officers aren't upset about it um, mm-hmm. per se. But um, we realize that it's not realistic and we just try to go out and approach it with an mm-hmm. educational mindset. Because it raises an expectation that's not not for real. There, there is a lot of unrealistic stuff yeah. that happens in those shows. So the, the most... Um, colorful, I guess, um, area where we have to deal with those mindsets is in a, you know, ultimately where a criminal case would culminate in a, at a jury trial. Uh-huh. So you have a very short amount of time with, um, with your 12 mm-hmm. people in the jury to educate them on the reality, um, mm-hmm. of forensics or law enforcement in general. And, um, try to get them broken off of that, what they expect. Um, mm-hmm. So expectations can be extremely high because of what you see on t- television. And it, it's just the reality of what we have to deal with, and we just have to accept that and uh, um, respond appropriately. How often are you called out, and since it's multi-jurisdictional, is it beyond Stillwater? Yes, um, so it, it comes in waves, it seems like. We may have um, a dry spell where we go a couple of months without having anything and then just have two or three incidents within a matter of a week. Um, it's really hard to predict that, so um, in general, um, we receive um, about 10 uh, no-notice call-outs per year, and then we, we also are deployed to um, public venue um, situations, parades, um, the home football games at Boone Pickens Stadium. We have a small contingent of the team who deploys mm-hmm. to those at every incident. So we get quite a bit of uh, work out in the community. And we are regional. Um, anytime that anybody in the region requests that we respond, whether it be Noble County, Lincoln County, or in Stillwater proper, um, we will we will show up for that. All we need is a request. Um, so it's pretty common for us to go outside of Stillwater and Payne County or the Cushing area. So would this be like where the sharpshooters, would there be a sharp sharpshooter on the SWAT team and there would be, I don't know, like, like what type of equipment and, and specialties do you guys uh, focus on? Or, or does it change depending on the situation? Uh, we have a number that we're, a number of different ones that we focus on, but um, what we're gonna plug in in any given scenario um, depends completely mm-hmm. on the scenario. We do have um, sniper teams mm-hmm. um, that are trained in sharpshooting or long distance mm-hmm. rifle operations. Um, we have guys who are trained in um, less lethal um so the use of say like what's commonly called like tear gas or impact rounds that aren't lethal um so there's a number of different weapon systems that and that that entails Uh, we have guys who are trained uh, specifically as breachers mechanical breachers Mm. um so any type of structure uh, that you need to get into and you need to figure out a way be it a window door make your own Mm -hmm. um, those guys are the experts that you can go to and tap so do you become an expert in one of these things uh, just as part of your regular police duty or is it like an extra training and you select that you're going to be like one of these uh, specialties? It's it's all extra training. So um, we train two days a month, um, yeah. every month, and then we have a week out of the year. Uh, it's called SWAT week um, where we have a whole week that we train. So all of these guys are um, 
if you have a specific interest and mm -hmm. if we have a specific need, then we can get you the training, the specialty training that you need to um, become an expert in that area. So we do that in-house because we have a number of people who are trainers mm -hmm. um, in specific areas and then also with outside training. Awesome. That's really interesting. Uh, all the, the specialties yeah. that you don't necessarily think of, but mm -hmm. there's people that know how to do it and they're right there available. Yeah, the true team aspect. So you all have done competitions before too. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and what all you have to do? Uh, so um, prior to me getting on the team, the the, the team back in the day, um, the team had competed um, at the Oklahoma State SWAT competition, um, but there was a number of years where they had not. So I think it was about 2012. Um, we, um, as a team, decided that there was value in that, that we wanted to start competing again to size ourselves up and see, um, you know, mm -hmm. network with other teams, see what was um, normal training and normal capability. So we started going to the state swap competitions again, and um, it took a couple of years to get up to speed, but um, then we, we've hit a pretty good streak where we've been winning a lot. So basically what that looks like is um, the competitions are um, – multiple events usually there's an obstacle course a carbine event um, a pistol event a sniper event um, and then kind of an at-large event which is sometimes an officer down rescue event um, so you compete in all these different events and then tallying scores and seeing who who took the thing so we've won twice in the last five years and if you win the next year you host Oh. So that's taken up uh, quite a bit of our time and resources um, hosting the, the next year after we've won at the at the Stillwater um, Police Department's range. Uh, we just got doing done doing that um, this spring. We hosted a state swap competition, um, and uh, Norman PD came in and won that. So we'll be competing at Norman PD next year. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so, um, can you tell us a little bit maybe about? what if you have concerns about like swatting like the people calling in emergencies that aren't actually true is that something that is on your radar that you're worried about or you see that being a conflict in like the, a, the a trend yeah yeah definitely um we've seen that for uh, just a few years now where it's become more popular nationally um to call in um false reports of emergencies to try to induce a SWAT team response. That's why they call it swatting. Ah, um, I had not heard this. Mm -hmm. um, so we had um, what I believe is our first incident with that um, recently at the the prime place, Elm uh, Street incident. Yes. Um, so, so somebody called and said they were holding people hostage, and it was like on a Saturday morning, something like the Saturday. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you guys had to evacuate a building, mm -hmm. and I guess the block and uh, – but I guess we did. There wasn't any actual activity in the building. Yeah, there was not anything found um, to verify any of the claims that were made by by telephone. So um, I believe that that's probably a good example, and it's the first one that I know of here locally. So we're mm -hmm. always concerned with those things. We have a, a number of layers in place mm -hmm. um, from the time that we take the call, um, instead of just immediately receiving information and activating the SWAT team to try to, try to prevent those things. So. But with that said, I, I believe it probably will become more prevalent just mm -hmm. because it's, um, it has been um, 
more common nationwide. So we may begin to see that more locally. So, and the, the laws are still yeah. adapting to that too. Um, uh, peop- there are laws being passed specifically to combat um, people swatting. So I guess they're probably sitting at a distance watching it as entertainment, I guess. Uh, seeing if their phone call elicits a response and how large of a uh, an effort the SWAT team's making to take care take care of the incident. Yes, yeah, I've seen that um, be the case, and then also um, there have been uh, documented encounters where um, people are only interacting; they don't know each other. They're interacting over a headset on a video uh, game, yeah. and one of them um, is mad at the other one, and I'll call in a. Um, hostage event at their house say um to induce the SWAT team to come so they they're not even in position to see anything um happen Mm. Um, they're just getting a personal satisfaction out of just being vindictive and that i mean that really kind of i mean that's not a good use of your time but it also creates i guess a hazardous situation where you're you're responding to something that's not real and something bad could potentially happen anyway definitely there's um there's a there's a high risk to um, the people where the police are, are showing up to mm-hmm. um, for a perceived emergency right. incident. Um, also a high risk to the police personnel mm-hmm. um, who, are, who are responding to emergency. We all know that that's high danger. And then also um, just a, a high burden on the, the resources of the, the mm-hmm. department and the city in general. Wow. That is interesting. I, I can't even imagine someone calling in a situation that would elicit that kind of response but mm. oh well it's the world we live in yes uh, was there anything we didn't ask you about the SWAT team that you would like to share with the public I'm very proud of the SWAT team I've worked my way up through mm-hmm. just being a, a member on the SWAT team to being a team leader and now the team commander so um, almost everyone with the exception of one person everyone else has come onto the team um, while I've been on there um, so I'm just really proud of the guys that we have um, we train really hard um, to to be able to protect the the city and the area, the region, um, and also um, just get our operational capability really high, um, and and test that by going to some of these competitions, um, which we've done really well at. So I'm I'm proud of my time on the team and, and all the guys on there. Absolutely, you got a lot to be proud of. So uh, congratulations on your win last year, and looking forward to next year, right? Bring Definitely. it back home. Yeah, just getting to compete and, yeah. and not have to host. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're looking forward <laughs> yeah, to that. That was a lot of work, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Before we go, let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions in a lot of different ways, including email, social media, phone calls. So this week's uh, question comes from Doug. It was from email. And he said, you know, several years ago, I checked uh, to see what times we were allowed to mow our grass. Uh, And I can't remember if there was actually an ordinance or a time frame for that. Um, Because I would like to mow and avoid, you know, the hottest part of the day. So totally understand what he's asking there. That is a great question, Doug. So there is a city ordinance that prohibits the use of power lawnmowers between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. However, it only goes into effect if your neighbors complain. So we suggest that you talk to your neighbors and see if they have a problem um, of you mowing outside of those hours. We hope that helps, and please stay cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
so if the neighbors don't mind you mowing at 10 o'clock at night and yeah. there's nobody going to call in and you can see where you're going. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay if if, if 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 all of your neighbors agree that you guys are going to mow before six a.m. because that's the coolest part of the day. Then you know, no problem. Yeah. All right. First, well, you live out in the middle of nowhere. No. Well, there's, that, there's that too. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, let's go to question number two. This one comes from Judith, and it's also another email. I'm not sure who to contact about this, but I live on North Benjamin Street and the grass and weeds are so high at the corner of Benjamin and Lakeview that you have to pull out into traffic to see. Who do I contact about this? It's a great question too because we have a we have a tool called the report and track feature on our website and you can submit property nuisances like that one to it. So if you go to stillwater.org slash report slash submit, um, and also if you just go to stillwater.org at the top, there is a like report slash who to call a uh, little button at the very top. So that will take you to a page with a lot of different things. Yeah, there's all types mm-hmm. of things that if you, it's common questions that who do I call for this? Yeah. How do I report this? And it's all on that one tab. Yeah, that has the best option. So if you go down and you see like tall weeds and grass, it's going to give you this option for the a link to this report and track tool. There's also a property maintenance action line, a phone line, and that number is 405 405- Seven four two eight three eight three, and that's another way to report things like that. Good questions this week, all mm-hmm. about uh, weeds and mowing. <laughs> People are doing their lawn work work yeah. after all the rain. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to FYI Stillwater. Tune in for our next podcast.